Welcome to Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. We are so glad you could join us today. The Crosstalk podcast is in pursuit of growing in our understanding of the gospel and discovering what it means to transfer to the next generation. And now, here are your hosts, Charles and Daniel. It's time to dive into our next episode on culture. Uh, Last week we talked about the, or I was about to say political. (laughs) Can you tell what we talk about too much? Um, (laughs) I was going to say, last week we talked about the biblical concept of in, not of. And we want to continue with part two of that discussion this week. Again, if you were not with us last week, we defined what separates us from the world through the phrase in, not of, but Here's the deal. We also said there's really nowhere this phrase is found in Scripture. We're going to be in the world but not of the world. The concept is. But we did see last week that the concept is biblical. And what we did is we defined what separates us from the world. So we defined that. We talked about that. And then we talked about how two other things were going to help broaden this perspective of in, not of, when it comes to the culture of the world. And those two things are what fascinates us with the world – and what inoculates us from the world. So we're just going to jump right back in here in part two. First uh, John 2, 15 through 17, the passage many know well, love not the world, neither things that are in the world. Right. That's going to be our springboard passage. Uh, but jumping in, what fascinates us with the world? Why do we love it so much? And I'm glad you said it that way because I was going to make the point. We're asking a question here. What separates us? In the world. Second question: What fasc- What is it that fascinates us right. with the world? And what we're saying is, why is the world so fascinating mm-hmm. to us? Why is it because it is? It is. Yeah, I think of John in the Book of Revelation, and he sees the beast. Now, whatever you think the beast is, there's <laughs> no doubt it has something to do with the world system. Right. And when he sees the beast, he wonders with amazement at the beast. And the person talking to him says, why do you wonder at the beast? That's kind of the question we're asking. Don't we? We wonder. We look at the world. We're amazed. We're impressed. We're drawn. We're And, and it, it's as if the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, says to us, why do you wonder at the beast? What fascinates you about the world? Well, it's the three basics that we see those spoken of in Genesis, and we see them later, especially here, the three Great temptations, uh, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Um, the lust of the flesh speaks to its pleasures. Um, okay, pleasures, but somebody could say, are all pleasures bad? Right, and that's a good question. I mean, it's a valid I, I think, question. I think. I think for most of us who are thinking Christians, we know that all pleasure is not bad. God gives us pleasure. God, I think we can say without equivocation that all the pleasures God gives us have limits. Yes. They I have mean, strings. Food. They have, yes, food. Yeah, for You don't want to eat too much. Right. You don't want to eat too much of the bad thing, especially. Yeah, right. And um, even a good thing. Sex. Yeah. I mean, it, there are limitations. There are limitations as to in what situation it can be enjoyed. There are limitations as to how much it can be enjoyed. I mean, all you have to do is, even if you're a married person, you have a happy sex life. There are limitations. You don't get all you want all the time. Life is not all pleasure. It doesn't matter whether it's sexual pleasure, food pleasure, whatever it is, vacation pleasures, whatever they are. But the, those things are good gifts. 
The world, on the other hand, offers us its pleasures when we want them. Without The end. way we want them. Yeah. Well, but especially now. We get I, to say. I, I, you know, it's interesting. Mike and I were texting yeah, a couple weeks ago. And we were talking. I think we were watching a, a football game, actually. And anytime you watch a football game, there's always an advertisement for the next movie, the next TV show. However, now there is so much entertainment right? that a lot of times the said streaming service will just kind of do this montage of everything they offer. And then even then, it's not even everything. Right. It's, I've noticed that lately. It's I, absolutely almost limitless. And I, I texted him. I said, there is so much entertainment out there that you couldn't possibly watch all of it if you wanted to. Like right. it's, it's humanly impossible. And he said, yeah. He said, I was just talking to Michelle, his wife about that and he goes nor do i want to watch all of it <laughs> right exactly <laughs> but but it's just this overwhelming sense of like it's there a- at any moment at any time a click away anytime you want yeah yeah and um whether it's movies or video games or pornography whatever it is i mean it, it's all just a click away just a touch away well and the world tells us you can have as much as you want when you want. Yeah. Hey, you can do it while you're driving. Yeah. Well, whether you speak of that as wise or not, you can watch whatever you want while you're driving, pull stuff up, whatever it may be. There's not too many places in our lives where we are media-less. Right. Exactly. We have less media. So I, this idea of pleasure is so much upon us now. Paul spoke of— It's overwhelming, actually. Exactly. It is. Yeah. And, and, it should overwhelm us to the point that it drives us somewhere else right. for us who are Christians. Paul spoke of those who were lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Now, there's the danger, isn't it? The the pleasure of the world, the world fascinates us. It's amazing. It really is amazing when you think about what you can have, what is normal. I was thinking, we were talking about, I heard something on the radio about stress and people, the pressures on people, and I was like, we don't. I know we know stress, <laughs> right. but not like our fathers did. They worked all day till their muscles ached and they couldn't work anymore. They fought a war. They went in, didn't have a shower or a bathtub. They went to bed, fell asleep exhausted, and got up the next morning before the break of dawn and started the same thing over again. And we got pressure. We got right. stuff that does all this stuff for us. We right. Hey, I know it's all relative well, to some degree, and, but still. And I know we have to move on from this, and we could probably camp on this for a while, but this idea of pleasure, I mean, it, we're in a time um, in our world, in the time that God would have us be in, where it is limitless on what it has to offer, not only in content, but in resources. So content being entertainment, pleasure and receiving entertainment and just viewing entertainment. But we also have limitless resources at our fingertips, like you're talking about, wash and dryer, Mm -hmm. microwave. Yeah. Actually, we don't even have to cook anymore. We can order it, deliver it to our door, and never see the person that was going to deliver it and pay for it, all without having interaction with human people. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that's bad. All I'm saying is, is we're in a time and place where... We have everything we could possibly want, yet we're the most unhappy people. Right. We're the most dissatisfied, the the least fulfilled. 
Yeah, it's amazing. I, I'll use this as an example. I've asked several men who are of means many times this question I've asked them. How do you work within your means? You have a lot of finances. How are you happy? How do you enjoy it? They said, well, first of all, it doesn't control me. I don't let it control me. And then I do enjoy it. But I also let other people enjoy it. And I thought it was fascinating. They're not controlled by it. They see it as a tool, as a means. I'm not saying there's no tension in their life. They're not struggling. But this idea of pleasure, we have to come to that realization. It doesn't control me. Right. It's something that is a means Say sex is a means to procreate, to enjoy the spouse that God has given you, okay? You can use that as an example. It's probably the most evident example of pleasure right. and how it could be purposeful. But the pleasure here that this scripture is talking about, everything it offers, you, you're you yeah. not going to find pleasure there. Yeah. You're going to be burnt out. And uh, yeah, uh, maybe we just ought to move on. But then, <laughs> then that kind of moves us to the second, and it's pleasure – what is it about what we're told? Do not love the world, nor the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, and this is what we're talking about. Uh, and the second thing is the, the lust of the eyes. It's pull. Uh, yeah, it is a, there is a draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, Even John, though we're dissatisfied, we're still drawn to it. Yeah, it's incredible. It's not, it's not yeah. getting the job done for right. us. We still want it. Uh, it's, it's persuasiveness. It's allurement. It's, it's like the... Uh, I like the bait or the the uh, allure that's out there for the fish, and he it looks like what he wants, but when he grabs it, it's got the hook on it. And that's often the way the things of this world are. They lure us in. They look good. They're attractive. The billboard. It's interesting that the writer of Proverbs says that the strange woman sits on the high places of the city. As you as you approach, I, I often uh, related that to a billboard. The billboard puts all these things up there. Mm. It, it, the eye gate catches them. It's interesting that Jesus said the the light of the body is the eye. If your eye is single, focused, then your whole body's full of light. If your eye is evil and not single, which means it's divided and looking all over the place for all kinds of things, then your whole body's full of darkness. If the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? That's a, a frightening thought that the light we have can be turned to darkness because the focus from the light is taken so that now we've got all these divided desires and pulling in so many different directions. And so the world is pulling us, drawing us. It's, it's showing us images you know, that, that that grasp our attention. Well, and we talk about the pleasure. We talk about the pool of that pleasure. But then what does it produce in us? What, what produces? Yeah, and I yeah. think the next thing which is on our list here is pride of life. We become very self-consumed, self-focused. Yeah. It's about us. <sighs> Actually, if you think about it, the concept of pride is the mother of all this mm-hmm. because – So you're saying that's where all this comes from. I, it's not I, conversely, I think but this is where it comes from. That. Okay. Yeah, because if you – it's our pride, our sense of we deserve this. Mm. I ought to have this. Well, Why f- don't I have this? A phrase and, – and, and it's interesting you bring that up, and Michelle and I have talked about this, but a phrase I hear a lot among my peers, my – maybe even below – me mm-hmm. because I'm now NH, yeah. moving into a different realm, but as far as age and mm-hmm. stuff. But I think I hear is is we needed this. Yeah, 
<laughs> I needed this. Yeah. yeah, it's been tough, so I need this. And 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 I I think that's a very dangerous place to be in, because while we all need rest, you don't have to go somewhere to rest. You could rest right in your house. Yeah, you can. And brother nicely, I might. Add. I'm not saying don't go anywhere. <laughs> I'm not saying these things are bad. I'm talking about attitude here. Yeah. I'm talking about heart. Perspective. And that yeah. pride that spawns this idea, I deserve this, pleasure, whatever it is. I, I had a brother say something. It's a brother I, I respect and love and is dear to me, but it illustrates something about this. what you're just saying, this whole idea of like a vacation. Mm-hmm. And uh, this brother said that but he vacations were important enough that – he put that out there, like in front of everything else, and that that uh, if he had to, he'd go in debt for him because it's important to his family. You know, and I thought that's interesting. First of all, I don't take vacations, and that's neither here nor there. I'm good with you know. I do other things, and I get to do some things I enjoy. But but the that illustrates how that we think we have to have certain things we don't have to have. Uh, I often go back to the microwave oven. You know, what would life be like without a microwave? Well, some people know because they don't want one, but most people have a microwave. Well, it's I funny c- you mention that because when we got married, my wife's family didn't have one. Mm-hmm. And so we moved in our own house. We never got one up until re- probably two or three years ago when we moved into a new house. So for first, I don't know, four years of our marriage, you we didn't, didn't have, have a microwave. And you did just fine. We did. We just. Yeah. I mean, but you, you kind of realized, oh, wow, I, I lived four years without a microwave. Well, <laughs> when Pam and I got married 41 years ago, they hadn't been out all that long, and we didn't have one for a while. And we got income tax back, and I said, man, we need to get us a microwave. We need to get us a microwave. There it is. There it is. <laughs> uh, and um, so the things that the, – the, the mindset that says, yeah, I have to have this. I need this. And there's so much to pull. So I'm not saying a microwave is bad. It may or the vacations are bad. I don't know what it does to yeah. your food. I mean, In but fact, yeah. I just took one a few weeks ago. Yeah. Took a vacation. Just, Highly recommend it. If you can afford it. Yeah. If the Lord provides it. But if the Lord doesn't provide it, it's certainly not a necessity. Right. Yeah. We can live without a lot of things we don't think. We, here's the thing. And we're going to talk about this in our next major point. But – Pride tells us we deserve this. Mm. Pride says, uh, I need it, and I need more of it. If I've got a little of it, I really need or want more. Uh, I am I'm, I, the old, you deserve a break today. This is what you deserve. The, the advertisers will tell you, this. you deserve this. Yeah. You work hard, you deserve That's it. That's how the world draws you in. That's exactly their marketing ploy. Yeah. What we're talking about is how they market to you. Yeah, you work hard, you deserve it. Or even if you don't work hard, you deserve it. I'll say this, and we can move on. If you don't get a hold of this in your life, it will destroy you. It will certainly destroy the basis for yes. genuine joy yes. in Christ, in the Lord. I, I don't mean you're going to sit there and go kill yourself tomorrow. That's not what I'm necessarily talking about. What I'm saying is, is if you're at this point in your life where you think you deserve anything, or you should have this, or this is what's owed to you, you're already down the path that is going to destroy your joy that you should have, which we're going to talk about now. And your effectiveness for Christ. As we move into this next uh, point, last point uh, in our part two of in and not of, what inoculates us from the world? Okay, so if these things here is the negative aspect, what fascinates us with the world, well, now we have to ask a question, what inoculates us from this? How do we grow in in sanctification through all of this? Well, the... 
The interesting thing is, is that the world, in the sense we've been talking about it, acts as a trap or a snare, uh, and seeming to offer us much while tending to lure us away from the God we love and the one who offers us the ultimate joy, eternal forgiveness, redemption, riches of God's mercy and grace. So the world draws us away from the very things that would do us eternal good. So what inoculates us from that? And, and the simple answer is this, the love of God. Mm. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If these things are of the world, then they can, we cannot be of the world. Well, it's kind of like if you love your wife, it's probably going to fix a lot of issues that you have. Mm-hmm. If you love her as Christ loves the right. church. So yeah. if you love God as he has commanded us to love him, you know, I, I, it, it, there's, there's, it's an antidote. <laughs> I mean, it really is. So if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is, is not in him. So, so John is assuming that his hearers, and he's encouraging them in the fact that their love for the Father outweighs these attractions, this pull, these things. This inoculates us. It's not like you get a shot one day and you're done. I mean, we need a daily dose of this inoculation. So we have to consciously embrace the Father is what you're saying. Yeah, I think to love God is that is that we consciously and intentionally embrace our Father. And, and obviously, an obvious application of that is prayer life, right. devotional life. We've talked about the means of grace. The means of grace in church and, like and that, other yeah. things. But, uh, and then, to uh, again, to consciously adore the Father. That, because what we adore, we will worship. Yeah, so we adore Him, worship Him, express that worship in your private life, in your family life, in your church life. I mean, I often say when I'm dealing with the people, my suppliers and stuff, you know, uh, I see tomorrow, Lord willing. Uh, I often say, uh, thank the Lord. Not because – I mean, I do want to be a witness, even right. if that's just a brief witness, but that should be what comes off of our lips, out of our hearts. Well, thank the Lord for that. Uh, adore the Lord Jesus. Adore the Father. Do children adore their fathers? They do, by nature. Unless the fathers give them some reason to hate them, they don't hate them. They love them. They want their approval, right. and they want to embrace them, and they adore them. And uh, – uh, certainly that should be so of us and our Heavenly Father. Do we believe He has our good at heart? Do we believe He has been gracious to us? Do we believe He has provided for us all that we need in Christ Jesus? Do we believe we'll spend eternity with Him? Well, and I think – I have often see this with my son, but I think when children kind of maybe express dissatisfaction with their parents, especially their father, it's because they didn't get what they wanted. And so I think of our relationship with the Father – when we are dissatisfied with God, it's because we probably didn't get what we wanted. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's easy for us to condemn our children, but we, as adults who know Christ and know God, we we almost have to turn that point that finger back at ourselves. Yes, it's interesting when you when you and we got one more little sub point here, but and I just to consciously pursue the Father. Our pursuit of God, you know, Tozer wrote the book "Pursuing God." Uh, that concept is that we're in constant pursuit of the Father. It's not that He is running from us; 
It's that we want him so that we know there's much that we've just talked about around us that's that's drawing us in another direction, and we're running against the grain, running into the wind, swimming into the current, pursuing the God we love. It's interesting if you contrast that with our appetites, they're never fully satisfied. That's why we always want just one more piece of candy. We want. That's why we're we're never sexually completely satisfied. There's always, you know, and part of that's in the design because we wouldn't have had babies if you'd have sex one time and then and you it's were all satisfied. good. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so, but but there's the, there's that part of that. But um, we we always want just one more. I do. I, I like. No, everybody knows, man. I'm a chocolate guy. I love it. You know, I want another piece. Another well, it's piece. like it's like the guy who's asked, you know, how much money is enough? He goes, there's just a little bit just more. Just a little bit more. Now, you contrast that with the what well, we are never f- completely satisfied with God in one sense in that we we're always hungry for him. Right. But that hunger is at the same time driving us and satisfying us. That's a hunger. Well, we're satisfied in satisfaction. The hunger. Yeah. We're satisfied yeah. in the hunger the because hunger we know it's a satisfying thing he if it's being it, yeah. fed by the yep. Lord himself. And um but we can pursue all these worldly things. Well, we never get to the end of the pursuit there, but we have a hope that brings us ultimately to, a, to the end of the pursuit and that we will eternally enjoy the presence and loveliness and love of the Father. So what do we, what do we want to be of and what do we want to give to? That which is dissolving before our very eyes or that which is eternally ours? It's very easy to see this in everyday life. Um, you and I talked about this as we were working through this, and I wrote it down because I thought it was good for us as we close here. We see the empty- emptiness of the world through something as large as hearing of a murder mm-hmm. on the news or a certain – Or a suicide. Po- yeah, or a suicide yeah. or a certain political party making some horrendous decision that as a believer just think, rips us. yes. And we go, how could the Lord let this happen? But we also see it in something as simple as when we break a plate while washing the dishes. Yeah. I think we see the emptiness of this world in as large an issue or as small an issue as I've mentioned. In the contrast, we see it. Yeah. Because it's it's not going to last. Now, does that mean we don't fight for good? Does that mean we don't seek to pursue that which is good here upon earth? Yes. The Bible tells us that. We've talked about it here on the podcast. This is a temporal expression of an eternal pursuit. Yes, it is. But we got to live in this tension. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. It's very good. It's very good. And and I think I think for those of us who can embrace this and live within that tension, there's a certain sense of satisfaction. Yes. The way we do find our joy right there, for sure. Yeah, that's it. And so that's what makes us in the world, but not of the world. In it, not of it. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to continue this. There's more to talk about. We're going to delve into some more specific issues and how to apply this and talk about it. Uh, But suffice it to say, there's been a good start on the issue of culture and how to be in the culture and not of the culture. Um, This idea of in, not of, is how we simplified it. Um, so we hope you join us. If you haven't listened to the episode before this, we encourage you to go back. It really set the stage. We finished it off this week. So go back and listen to that, and we hope you join us next week. Thanks, everyone, so much for joining us today. You can always visit us on the web at crosstalkpodcast.org. Crosstalk is produced by Vision for Living Ministries, a nonprofit organization. This podcast is a free resource 
but you can support us financially through our website. For more information on Vision for Living Ministries, visit our website at visionforliving.org where you will find more great resources. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Vision for Living or on Twitter at V4L. We also love to hear from our listeners. You can email us anytime at info at visionforliving.org. Be sure to join us next week on Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. Music